Welcome back to Hot Pizza Ass. I'm your host, Aaron Darling Taralva. And on today's episode, I am joined by Ben Glebe. Now, he is a comedian, he's a writer, he's a podcaster, a TV host, and he also most recently ran for president of the United States of America. So, we have a lot to catch up on, and we are talking about politics, we're talking about what his life is like now, and also what it was like to actually be on the campaign trail. And it's a really fascinating conversation. Conversation I think you guys are going to love. So without further ado, check it out. I give you Ben Glebe. Ben, welcome to Hot Pizza Ass. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. You know, I was thinking about this before you came on today, and I realized I've known you for like a decade. Is that right? Yeah. A decade. I know. How many so, years is that? God, too many. Too I, many. Um, yeah. Okay, so the Five first time we met... There. It was like at a Twestival or like a tweet up or oh, something yeah. like that. Do you remember that? I was yeah. interviewing people. I was like... Hollywood and Highland. Yeah. I think mm. I was working for like Tech Zulu or something at the time. And uh, that was the first time I met you. And I realized that was like probably 2010. On the red carpet. Yeah. That's where all people should meet. Oh, yeah. Just it's so natural to Don't meet people think? on the red carpet. I think you know? it's like it's just yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like out in the wild. Yeah. Fending for yourself. Everybody <laughs> coming at you. Look over here. It's a lot of people coming at you and you have to really be strong. Yeah. You internally. have to really. Wait, did you, I know you do like hosting and stuff, but did you ever do red carpet hosting? Oh yeah. It's the hardest. I did it for the Grammys. You did for what outlet? For the Grammys. Oh my God. The Grammys hired me and I was doing their red carpet at the two events leading up to the Grammys, including the Clive Davis party, where I interviewed briefly for less than a minute Whitney Houston one year <gasps> and one day before she died at the hotel she died. Oh, my God. And then at the Grammys the next day, where everybody in music is there, but it's such a wide carpet. It's like 50 feet deep that any big star could ignore us if they wanted to. And I had one of the great weird moments of my life happen. I'm on the red carpet doing interviews there, and um, and uh, J-Lo and Mark Anthony were together at the time. And they're <gasps> walking by and they're in my ear. They're like, Ben, get J-Lo, get J-Lo. I'm like, J-Lo, J-Lo. And, and she wouldn't stop. They passed me. What can I do? Can't tackle her, you know? And so I turn to the camera. I'm like, oh, well, we tried our best. Sorry. And all of a sudden, Mark Anthony appears next to me. And he goes, dude, I love you on Chelsea lately. <gasps> and shakes my hand. He's like, I'm such a fan. And I'm like, you're a fan? Bring J-Lo back. And he calls J-Lo back and we got an interview. Oh my God. During which I told her how beautiful she was and she told me she, she loves me. Oh my God. It was, it's on YouTube. It was a pretty great moment in my life. That sounds pretty cool. And I turned, I got very angry towards Chelsea Handler. I was like, you heard that Chelsea? Someone likes my outfits. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of J-Lo, mm. so the Super Bowl this yep. past weekend, yep. uh, what did you think about it? Did you? I loved the show. Very entertaining. Uh, I think Shakira and J-Lo are both amazing performers. Also very beautiful women. It was enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. Great choreography. Good subtle political messages. Kids in cages there. I didn't even notice it live. but then, I didn't notice it till after either. Yeah, I don't think they, they could have made it less subtle probably. Uh, they wanted <laughs> to make a point. Um, a little odd maybe that J-Lo was on a... On a Stripper pole, and then moments later, her daughter came out and sang. But overall, I loved it. <laughs> it's like a little weird, but whatever. Yeah, you we're, know. America jumped the shark a while ago, so we're fine. That's so true. I didn't even think about that part of it. I was thinking like, okay, of course, she's on the pole. She's really comfortable on the pole now because of Hustlers. Sure. She had to learn that whole skill set. Why not show it off? And I don't think the pole looked too, um, it didn't look too crazy, I didn't think. It wasn't too like... Um, I don't want to say strippery. That sounds judgmental. But you know what I mean? Like, it didn't look, like, trashy. Yeah, it wasn't greased up or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great show. I thought it was fantastic to watch. Like, like we were talking about off-air a minute ago. It's just interesting. Like, I loved it. I do wish we could... Some, some part of me wishes we could go back to a time where there were certain things we decided not... Not just Super Bowl, but, like, across our society, decided not to show little children. I feel like, yeah. you know, five and seven year olds shouldn't be seeing highly sexualized things, but it's not just Super Bowl. It's our whole society right now. Like you said, it's on TikTok yeah. and Instagram and everywhere. So it is what it is. But being that you can't put that cat back in the bag, I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange when I saw a lot of people that were tweeting at me because I loved it and I loved J-Lo and I loved Shakira and I was like, oh my gosh, the Latinas, we won, yeah. we won the Super Bowl. So I was really excited and then people are coming at me on Twitter saying stuff like, well, you know, there was a lot of twerking if you want to call that a performance and blah, blah, blah. And I was just kind of thinking, well, I don't, I don't really see um, how this performance is considered super sexualized, but I guess maybe that's a like a point that you have kind of like we don't like the veneer that we see things through now like this whole like we're desensitized I think to certain things and I wasn't even thinking about kids watching the Super Bowl I was just thinking like oh I'm here at a party with a bunch of drunk adults like right. totally it's you know and we're used to this it's it like really tame, tame for adults for sure yeah right for sure and I don't think it was any worse like that meme going around about cheerleaders showing cheerleaders dancing in the same amount of skimpy outfits is the same thing so there probably is some degree of people being upset that it's Latina women really? doing that. Oh, I'm sure that's a big part of what's causing people's outrage because it is not really different at all than cheerleaders or that. I mean, maybe it's, you know, the moves are a little bit more, we're a little sexier than typical cheerleader moves. But that's just a lack of lacy choreography on the part of the cheerleading coaches, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know if a lot of cheerleaders can do what J Lo and Shakira did, right? Like True that's that. <laughs> that that tongue move very hard for the average cheerleader to pull off. Um, some of the camera angles definitely were different oh, yeah. than they typically show off on cheerleaders. But again, that's that's where we at, right? No, and, and Super Bowl is all about unique angles. They also have that on the field camera on the wire during the game too. So, oh my it god, is what it is. I was thinking that that's too. The best angle. Yeah, watching the watching that. the Super Bowl, I was thinking like, oh my god, how they actually filmed the Super Bowl? Like, there were so many parts of it that I'm like, oh shit, this is really up close and personal. <laughs> yeah, I love that down on the field angle, although it brings back a little bit of like traumatic memories from my time playing high school football <laughs> <laughs> when I got knocked onto my head and got mild concussions. Ooh. I got probably two concussions playing football just as a high school football player, so it's not a safe sport by any means, but it's cool. That's why my brain is so twisted now that I could be a comedian, so it worked out. <laughs> I was like a very straight, serious person. I got knocked in my head at the Aloha Bowl, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm good. Head trauma. I can write jokes now. To being a comic. I've actually had, I think, two concussions in my life, too. So, you know what? That theory probably holds true in my case as well. What were yours for? Um, well, I got one because I was in this weird accident. Like it was actually my birthday and I was probably, I don't know, it was like maybe at like 23 or something like that or 24. And I'd been day drinking the best oh my god the worst in my case <laughs> and then it's like midnight or 1 a.m and my friends and I decide we want to go to another party which I had no business going to at that point I was definitely like drunk off saddle ranch mimosas mm, the I worst that I can't believe it, it. bottomless mimosa <laughs> yeah. breakfast right it's dangerous I don't they know. still have that I don't know I haven't been back I'm traumatized <laughs> but I went and um we're in the parking garage we're trying to go to another party or event or something like that and I'm on some sort of like dolly like some sort of contraption in the I think that people use to move heavy objects yeah like a, a flat surface with with wheels underneath and a handle my friend is pushing me on it and we're going downhill and it picks uh -oh. up speed uh -oh. there are no handles for me to hold on to it oh, I fly shit. off and I hit my head Ooh. and I don't remember anything after that and I woke up the next day I had two black eyes like my face was completely swollen oh. like I looked in the mirror like I woke up to like go pee the next day and I looked in the mirror and I was like what the hell I had no idea what happened I definitely had a concussion my friends didn't know oh. what to do and let me go to sleep with a concussion like oh, no. I know seriously like it was bad and I, also my face was so messed up and swollen I didn't know if I had like broken bones and stuff so I had to get oh. like yeah I had to get x-rays and I think I got um like a cat scan to see if there's brain damage like people didn't know like I was light sensitive like when I was looking at my laptop like things were upside down like it was suddenly you were hilarious you're like it's the only positive here right Right. But it's weird because it's God. like <laughs> I almost like credit that weirdly enough with certain um, aspects of like being a comedian or really going for like acting and stuff like that. Because I think before that I was just more concentrated on being, you know, like a journalist or doing um, like content creation for for outlets online. And I and I think when your face gets really messed up or you have your first big health scare, you're like, oh my God, life is short. Like you mm. never know what's going to happen. Better go for these dreams. <laughs> that is true. That yeah. That is true. Seriously. It's crazy how fragile things are. 
Oh my God. But speaking of going for dreams, like you've had probably one of the most exciting years, like 2019, more P- than like anyone I know. Huh. No, for real. Like you literally were running for president. That is correct. Like how? Of America. Has it, That's always been a dream of yours though, right? You've always wanted Not to go really. into politics. No, politics really? has always been in the back of my head just because I love politics. I don't think running for president is something that was like actively a dream. In the back of my head somewhere, I think I thought about one day, maybe when I was old, I would consider running for public office. When I was like five years old, a friend of mine one time, or not five, like eight years old one time, a friend of mine at an assembly, I was wearing a suit for a talent show, and he was like, oh my God, you're going to be president of the United States. So that he put that weird thought in my head, not at a very, very young age. But I decided many, many years ago in comedy that I had to give up the idea of running for office because it was like making me a little bit safe in my comedy and making mm-hmm. me afraid to say certain things. So I gave it up and then Trump got elected and I just felt like we needed to make sure he doesn't win again from my political perspective. And so I'm just was unconvinced and still not sure who's going to be able to beat him easily. And so I felt like we really need another choice. We need like all hands on deck in the country right now to try to figure out how best we, what strategy is best to beat him. And so I, felt like a comedian should run wasn't seeing anybody else do it a comedian just won in the ukraine um really Zelensky, the president of ukraine that's involved in this whole scandal with trump on the phone call and the aid <gasps> and the impeachment it was a comedian nine months ago what the most famous comedian in ukraine so that was the problem i had i wish you know a more famous comedian ran but they didn't nobody was throwing their hat into the ring so i said i should try oh my god and i did it and ran a very serious campaign for seven and a half months campaign trail iowa new hampshire repeatedly trying to get people to pledge to caucus for me and i'll I'll be on the ballot in new hampshire in less than a week wow um you probably should not vote for me because the campaign's over (laughs) but you can if you want you know a couple votes here and there and i can make a big difference but um not necessary i'm not asking for your vote anymore (laughs) ben what is it like running for president it's wild. It, it's the most intense process you could ever participate in. Yeah. Um, I'm still tired and the campaign <laughs> ended like six weeks ago. It's very intense um, because in addition to trying to, it's basically like you're building a company, a big company in the public eye. They're watching your every move. You're putting together a team, especially if you've never run for office before. You don't know how to do it. The learning curve is very steep. You need to make sure everybody is perfectly above board and is somebody that you can be proud to work with and associate with. You're trying to create messaging, campaigns, speeches, fundraising drives, trying to figure out how to go on the road, how to make the most of your money. You're getting donations you're doing press appearances you don't want to misspeak you're trying to be at the same time bold and then everybody you meet is just opening up in major ways their life to you their problems their heartache the things they need fixed and unless you're a dick you really obviously need to have your most empathetic self present at all moments very present listening caring trying to figure out solutions trying to understand their problems in a real way so it's all of that stress plus just the intensity of doing it like for the country and for people's lives, for individual people's lives. It's way more intense than a comedian should ever have to deal with, I realize. <laughs> it's just so much more. Our lives are very fun and we get to comment on the serious things. We don't have to usually be in it. And being in it's just completely different. I grew up a lot in this process, I think. Um, I analogize running for president like the best way I could explain what it's kind of like, it's like you're on trial for your life and you <laughs> and you have to convince the jury not only that you're innocent, but that you can improve their lives and they should hire you as a life coach. <laughs> it's like both. You need to have like a double win. It's oh insane. The amount of scrutiny you're under. It's the only job that like so many people try to tear you down and try to make up things about you. They try to come at you in every way. It's intense. Did you experience a lot of that? Like what, what are yeah. some examples of people coming after you for, I'm assuming probably a lot of it had to do with being a comic, right? Some of it has to do with being a comic, but literally some people just made things up out of thin air, like crazy things. Like I don't like to give it really air, but I'll just say one example. It's so insulting to just literally make accusations on somebody's character out of thin air. But like this, this group of people decided that they were going to 
pretend like I grab women inappropriately based on the evidence of a video one of them made a, an attack ad on me basically on YouTube of clips from the Telethon for America that I created. Mm -hmm. Literally in their attack ad, I'm only touching people's shoulders. Shoulders. Like I'm in the celebrity phone bank going up to Jane Fonda on a loud phone bank. I'm like, Jane, Jane, quick question. I tap her shoulder and they're like, they turn it black and white and they put ominous music on it. But because of that stupid thing, people don't, most people then will hear something. They don't see the video. Mm -hmm. They don't know what the accusation is based upon. And they just repeat. And some assholes keep repeating that, repeating that. And on my social media and my comments, it's like people are only seeing that. Right. So it's, it's so gross. And people that troll people just to be trolls, just to be, there are some people that deserve to be trolled. The people that are trying to help the country and be kind their whole lives, it's really gross. And it's emotionally very taxing to deal with that. Yeah. It like makes you really not want to pursue public office. It makes you not want to try to help. It's not cool. That sucks that it's such, that's such a big part of it, like no matter what. And it always has been, you know? It's nuts. But like, I always thought that most of the things were like based in some kernel of truth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Al Franken was taken down for behavior that you can debate whether what he did was serious enough to have to remove himself from the Senate, but it was based on facts. It was real allegations. Mine was made up out of the thin air. Like, luckily, it didn't get a lot of air, and I don't even know why I'm talking about it, but but just emotionally, it's it's really taxing to deal with people like, you wake up and you're like, say what? Yeah. You know? While you're trying to, while you're going and meeting at sober homes with people who've almost died repeatedly from opioid addiction and understanding what their life is like and how badly the sober homes need funding or meeting at the New Hampshire coalition against domestic violence and sexual abuse and trying to really understand how crucial the funding is there to try to mm -hmm. make sure that we take any preventative measure to, to, and then also make sure that we help victims make their process, not re-traumatizing, you know, yeah, like diving deep, like not to get, you know, too graphic, but, I was in this incredibly moving meeting and they keep mentioning the rape kits and how intense it is to fill out a rape kit. And I said, can I see one? And they said, wow, no candidate is ever asked to actually see one. They usually come in here and just talk more than they listen. And we would of course love to show you one. They show it to me and it's the most intense, multi-step, multi-layered thing that you can now understand by seeing it up close how traumatizing that would be to have to do, to have to submit to right after a traumatizing experience. I've never seen one. It's like a million different tests. There's like 25 different samples and blood tests and urine tests and hair samples and this, and you have to put your underwear in the Ziploc bag and you have to do this and that. And it's like all of that thing right after a thing. And it's the level of detail that like most people would never be aware of unless they, God forbid, went through it or are running for office and have the opportunity to educate themselves in that hands-on way. So, you know, to anybody who thinks that if there are people out there, I'm sure there are, that think my run was just silly or trying to, you know, I'm a comedian running for president like Pat Paulson used to do or like Colbert did for a month. That's not what this was. You know, I, I put my life on hold and tried to do something to help the country for for eight months and wasn't successful fully to our ultimate goal. I think we inspired a lot of people. I know we did from the comments and letters and emails I've received and things people told me on the campaign trail. I think we re-inspired a lot of people's faith in our democracy that mm -hmm. people can run from the outside but also our democracy is pretty broken it's very hard to break through right L like the window's still open but just like a little bit yeah when i saw your video um when you said that your campaign trail had reached an end i was very moved and i messaged you right away and i was like you inspired me you oh, know thank you. and uh i was proud of you was really, really proud of you for going for it. And I was sad to see that it had ended. Um, and I was right away like, oh my God, can I interview you? I really want to talk to you about this process on the podcast because I think that what you did was really brave. And it was, I don't know, I don't think I know anyone that would do what you did. Anyone, like Thank not a you. single person. That's kind of you say. Yeah. It, it's not easy. And I really like... It's so weird, and, and the disappointing thing is that, like, coming back now into just my old life as a comedian, I feel, like, almost, not ostracized, but I just feel a little bit, like, not welcomed fully back, so it's so nice when, you know, you and a couple others, people have, like, reached out and had me on their podcast, 
people are like a lot of people not only are we in like dangerous times that really need everybody to speak up and speak out but not only are a lot of people not even really doing that much or maybe an occasional tweet here and there but even when like their buddy does something they're like trying to stay away they don't want politics near them they don't want and i don't want politics near me but we have to step up at certain certain points in life there's certain times where there's lines you don't cross and and so i've come back and i feel like you'd hope that like i would have hoped that that you know, there'd be more comedians being like, dude, what you did was really cool. Um, sorry, you know, I wasn't more vocal during it, but like, come do my podcast or come hang or do you want a spot on my show? And I feel like instead, like a lot of people are kind of like keeping their distance, which is really disconcerting. Maybe it's in my head to some degree. It's only been a month I've been back, but but I don't know. It's just, I'm just doing something like this. You also just learn who your friends are really quickly, you know? Really? Yeah. All of this really surprises me. Because I think what you've just gone through is just so fascinating and you must have like a completely pr- different perspective on, you know, life. Um, and I would want to hear that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm shocked, really. So a like, lot of people just don't want like and, and this is it is what it is. And un- obviously success can be a little fragile, I guess. But no offense to us and to people kind of more at our level. But most people at like our level are, are down. The people I'm more, most disappointed with are just like the very top of the success spectrum. Mm-hmm. The people that are like have the podcasts that are downloaded by millions right. or hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who or the TV shows that are seen by millions or on big networks. None of those seem willing to like hear new ideas or take chances. They're only having on the same people over and over again who already are their crew, already are vetted by their fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. not the best way to be an artist that grows and changes and I get you're having fun and you're doing your thing and it's totally cool but like you can do both right I was gonna ask you about I even said that in my farewell speech I I kind of you know hinted that I said something to the effect of like the people with the podcast with huge reach like especially when it comes to politics but even in general like don't just be heat seekers everybody's a heat seeker these days it's okay to also help people with new uh, give opportunities to people with new ideas and people's voice you haven't heard from yeah are you kind of talking about joe rogan yeah a little so he wouldn't have you on his podcast right i remember seeing something about that but i didn't know what yeah i only mentioned it now i'm not trying to pick a fight but he was talking a lot of shit about my campaign on his podcast yet wouldn't have me on so if he can talk shit i can certainly respond yeah that's so strange i wonder why i don't get it i don't get it um, was it like the ideas that you were talking about? Like what were the platforms that you were running on for people that are uh, new to what you just went through and haven't? Sure. Well, familiar? let me just quickly then finish the Joe Rogan statement. Then we can move on from that part for of it. Sure. And I'll tell you about the platform. But I just think he did. I don't know. I don't think he took me seriously. I don't think he takes comedians seriously as people that can do things beyond, which is unfortunate and weird because he's a comedian that's taken very seriously. For other things, you know, yeah, he's, he's done other maker. stuff. He's done lots His of stuff. His podcast itself is not yeah. very, not very funny. Typically, it's a very interesting, intellectual, serious podcast. Yeah, it's funny sometimes, but so I find that just to be weird. Like, but he compartmentalizes. He has either comedian on or he'll have on political people. But sometimes that blends. You know, you have to be able to. Anyway, but he just didn't know. I, I asked him if he'd have me on in the first week of my campaign, and he said no outright, and was very insulting in the way he said no. And then he didn't he didn't even ask any questions about what my platform was or what I stood for. He, you know, so maybe he assumed, oh, it's a joke campaign. Ha ha. I'm not going to have you on my podcast. But maybe somebody you've known for over a decade have the respect to ask a couple questions first or or at least be nice about saying no. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, teach their own. Um, but my platform stood for a lot of important things. You know, firstly is that I feel like the most important thing this run is to beat Trump, whoever is the best strategy to beat Trump. That's why I still can't decide who to endorse. I like a lot of the platforms, these people, but who doesn't have a fatal flaw that that is not going to lose to Trump, who's really a genius at politics. He's mm-hmm. a genius at flamethrowing. And as I said, he's not even really a politician, as he says. He's What he really is, is he's the greatest heckler in political history. And to beat a heckler, you need a comedian. And that was the premise <laughs> of my campaign. But then on top of that, we stood for a lot of things, health care for all, but not Medicare for all, because it's too expensive, too risky to our economy, and we need to first cover the millions who don't have coverage before overhauling the whole system, I believe. Um, We need to have prison reform. We need to 
and I had a unique idea there to if you really want prison reform and to help get rid of this class divisions in our country, in our country, combine white collar prisons with regular prisons. Mm-hmm. Why should there be a class system even in our jails? That's such a good point. Why should rich criminals who've swindled millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people get to go to a country club jail when they, what they've done is worse than somebody who sold crack for a third time to put food on the table for their family and are now in there with murderers. Mm-hmm. And I spent a day in state prison during this campaign too and was hanging with murderers and people that had been in prison for 20, 30, 40 years. And it was fascinating, the humanity of these people who not advocating what they did, not saying it's okay, but made a mistake decades ago and are still in a place where they have to watch their back every day to not get beat or stabbed to death. Yeah. But then people who've literally ruined the lives of thousands of people have a chill jail and get out quickly. It's insane or rarely ever go to jail. Um, so we need prison reform like that big time. We need to legalize marijuana because it's mm-hmm. one of the things that leads to poor communities being incarcerated unfairly compared to more well-off communities mm-hmm. and minorities being incarcerated more than white people. Yep. We need to um, close the income and wealth gap and give people a living wage so you can live on your wage. Seems like common sense to oh me. Oh my God, 1 million percent. It's yeah. insane that we haven't had our wages keep up even with inflation, let alone. Oh my God trying to close the greatest, you know, not to sound too much like Bernie Sanders, but the top <laughs> 1% is getting now 80% of the wealth. Yeah. And the people on the bottom are getting screwed. Um, and we have to just make that a little bit more fair in our society. We, people wanted free college, and I think it's a cool idea. You shouldn't have to go in debt for your whole life to get college, but mm-hmm. we also are kind of, don't have a lot of extra money now as a country. So I had an innovative idea there, which is if you want free college, the government should create an American university online. And if you want the free college, you take the online university and it'll be taught by the greatest professors in the world via video conference and video recorded classes. You can have ex-presidents teaching classes. You can have George W. Bush teaching intro to painting or whatever. <laughs> and and you can get that for your university. It would only cost us a fraction of what it would cost to pay for the room, tuition, and board people across the country. That's a, con- a really good idea. Thanks. I didn't even get to talk about that idea that much on the campaign trail, unfortunately, because there's just so much and people don't ask you about it. And they're asking you, what do you think about guns? What do you think about healthcare?" And that's almost all you get asked because those are the two hot button issues of this campaign cycle. It's, what do you think about immigration? I'll get asked. Um, bring humanity back to our immigration policies while protecting our borders. We don't want porous borders, but treat people like humans because they're humans. Yeah. It doesn't help us, first of all, abroad to be dicks and then also treat people kindly and Treat children kindly and keep a list of who their parents are. If you have to separate them even for a minute so you can return them and not have them die in our custody or never being reunited with their families. I mean, it's just unconscionable like basic, things. Basic stuff, yeah. Constitutional amendment for women's right to choose. Our campaign got 5,000 signatures on a change.org petition for that so we can finally enshrine women's rights. No one's saying we're pro-abortion. No one's encouraging abortions, but it's women's bodies. They should be able to do whatever the hell they want to do with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And, you know, just common sense things like that that we all need to be able to do. And the biggest thing my campaign, there's a million things. You can go to Glebe2020.com. The website is still up and um, read all my platforms there. Um, And instead of now when you click donate, it doesn't go to my campaign anymore. It goes to the Democratic Unity Fund to make sure that whoever gets the nomination can beat Trump. So if you donate any money there, feel free. Um, And uh, but the biggest thing we advocated for is. And of course, climate change, we have to save our one planet. Oh my God. And we have to get back in the Paris Climate Accords. I would do that. I would have done that on day one and pushed for a more stringent agreement. We have to get off single use plastics. We have to get yes. off fossil fuels. Yes. But none of it is possible if we don't get all the corruption and money out of our government that made it impossible for me to like really resonate to that next level, that made it impossible for me to reach more people. The fact that media controls and wants only establishment people or billionaires in there. The fact that the DNC does the exact same thing, the Democratic Party does the exact same thing, and that money just corrupts it. Literally, big special interests influence, not only influence, they write our bills. They decide our policies. The only reason we don't have health care for everybody, we don't have more common sense gun regulation, we don't have um, a living wage, we don't have climate change being tackled, is only in every one of those because we're just still in the pockets of big business. Mm-hmm. We're giving subsidies to oil companies that are making billions of dollars of profit. That doesn't make any sense. Drug prices are through the roof because of these special interests that just have bought and sold these politicians. They promise them jobs when they leave office and they fund their campaigns so they're just in their damn pockets. They're little bitches to these people and that needs to end. So th- 
the way you'd end all that is a huge sweeping anti-corruption act that will get the money once and for all fully out of our politics, ban lobbyist money from governments, ban the revolving door so they can't get those jobs afterwards, make sure all money is disclosed, public financing of mm-hmm. elections, or at least you give like kind of like Andrew Yang's democracy dollars to people who you give them a hundred bucks an election cycle, they get to donate to campaigns, but that's the limit. That's the cap and it's paid for. So lower income people can also donate and participate in our process banning the electoral college and voting on one issue at a time is one of my own pet peeve issues. It's like Congress will vote on these bills with 12 different ideas in them just so that they can tell their constituents, Oh, I would have voted for nine 11 victims compensation fund but there was a bridge i couldn't support that's why i voted against it how about vote for each of those separately right so we can hold you accountable to your fucking vote and so things like that and that anti-corruption thing being the most crucial is why that became the marquee issue of my campaign and why i got arrested in washington dc during my campaign on the steps of the u.s capitol protesting for exactly that you know you got arrested yeah wow yep yep like the exact video that Jane Fonda had when she got um, when she got arrested on her first fire drill Fridays that she was doing for mm-hmm. the environment. Yeah, I had one month earlier, almost to the day, was my arrest on the Capitol steps. Almost the exact same video from the same spot. We get pulled behind the police van in the same place, and hers, of course, gets huge national, worldwide attention because it's Jane Fonda and voices of more regular people. Not that I'm like your average Joe, but I'm closer to that than than huge celebrities are get no coverage. I mean, like Larry King had me on. That was our probably our best piece of press, but it's very hard to get ideas out there. And, and I, tr- we tried very extreme ways to do it at some yeah. points in the campaign because these are, these are very crucial issues. Uh-huh. So I was like, you know, I, I tried my best to get our message across. At some point we ran out of money and momentum and we got priced out of it. Like if you've, seeing the drama happening in Iowa the other day, right? Yep. They still don't have the full results announced. That's so insane. I know these people now personally. I was in Iowa. I know the head of the Iowa Democratic Party, Troy Price. I know, you know, his right-hand men in those offices. And we were on conference calls that we, at some point, Iowa was very nice to us and New Hampshire both. They were the only places that really were very inclusive to our campaign. But at some point we just got priced out. Like, midway like two-thirds through our campaign was the iowa freedom and justice dinner this huge event at the wells fargo arena in des moines it's a major event where all the big candidates then speak and i was speaking at events alongside all the major candidates right i'm speaking alongside biden and warren and sanders at pretty big events then this huge one happens and those already cost some money there's like a thousand dollars for a spot you have to buy an ad in our thing for a thousand bucks you have to donate a thousand bucks to the democratic party but then we're on a conference call and we were blown away. My campaign's on a call one day for the Freedom and Justice dinner and they were like, so um, to get a speaking slot on this one, it's a minimum donation of totaling roughly $75,000. Oh my God. And we were like, oh, and we're now priced out of the big league. $75,000. To speak at one event. Man, I had no minimal. idea of like the in the details of the economy of running for yeah. political office. That's insane to me. It was actually a really funny story too, the, how, how that call unfolded because we had a much smaller staff than a lot of campaigns, right? So our campaign staff kind of fluctuated in size, but at points we had like tw- a staff of 12 people, you know, plus volunteers on top of that, of course, but, um, and, uh, spread out through the country. But, but our core wasn't always very big. Sometimes it was me and one or two or three others doing certain things. Right. And so on this call, it was just me and my girlfriend, Carmel, was very incredible during the campaign. And so she and I were the ones that were on this call this one day with the Iowa Democratic Party because I wanted to be on this call. I'm the only candidate on the call, of course. You know what I mean? Biden's not on the call trying to figure out his, his speaking slot. He's got hundreds of people on his staff. Our staff was small. And so this call, I wanted to hear the details up, up front, be able to decide what we can afford and do and not do. And so I'm on this conference call, but I didn't want them to know I was on it, right? So I'm on this call, <laughs> and so Carmel is speaking on our behalf, but it's this very rapid-fire call, and the person of the Iowa Democratic Party that was running it, um, we had met with and had an amazing coffee in Iowa with Kevin Geiken, who's the right-hand man to Troy Price. Mm-hmm. And, but he, I didn't think he was on this call. There's somebody else from the party on the call. This, this woman is like, so we're going to move very fast. 
We're going to figure out each campaign, how much you guys are going to sign up to pay to be able to get a spot to speak. But um, if anybody has any questions, just say your name and I'll pause and uh, and you can ask the question quickly. And so it moves. She's moving very quick. So there's no time for me to like whisper something to Carmel and have her say something and chime in. At one point they were like, and it'll be $75,000 for the speaking slot. And I needed to chime in. I didn't have that time. So instead of getting Carmel to chime in, I literally go, this is Carmel. <laughs> this is Carmel. And they're like, excuse me. I'm like, this is Carmel. I don't know why I did a Southern accent. I'm like, this is Carmel. <laughs> and, and they're like, and right then, apparently, Kevin Geiken was on the phone and he oh goes, my God. Ben, is that you? Oh my God, stop. <laughs> and I was like, I'm here for the Ben Glebe campaign. And he's like, okay, what do you guys want to know? And I'm like, so is that the, um, I'm doing this <laughs> woman's voice, this Southern bell. And I'm like, so is there any other options to be able to speak um, at the event? Oh my God. And they were like, no, <laughs> there's not. Um, if you want a booth and not speaking, it would be a minimum of like $5,000 or $10,000. And even that was too much for us at that point to a be able to lot, pay. Yeah. And, but it was the, I immediately put it on mute and Carmel and I laughed for like three minutes so hard because <laughs> I'm running for president of the United States and I'm here doing like a bad Southern accent. <laughs> so those are the moments that, you know, people didn't get to see behind the scenes, but that were pretty humbling, funny moments for sure. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> This is Carmel. <laughs> oh my God. Ben, is that you? Oh uh, my no. God. <laughs> it was incredibly embarrassing. That was the most embarrassing moment of the campaign. Oh, uh, you know, no one knew until now. Until now. Yeah. Until now. All uh, I have to care about anymore. I'm back to comedy life. So, <laughs> um, what was like the most important lesson that you learned through this whole thing? I think. I mean, I, I think I learned just how manipulated what the media tells us is so is. Like, I don't think they make up fake news very often, but I do think that they choose what narratives get air and what don't, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's very detrimental to our country. I learned truly how much special interests control everything. But I learned that people still have hope people are generally pretty happy in the country people believe things can be fixed and people take our democracy very seriously that was hopeful that was nice to learn i learned that i don't love politics yeah. um i learned that i prefer being an artist and an activist that gets to try to help from not being stuck in the middle of a very broken machine and um that was those are some good lessons yeah. I learned that my energy has limits. Mm -hmm. I've usually got a ton of energy and I've never have any issue working super hard on things. But from minute one, I just felt behind the eight ball. And like after seven and a half months of all nighters and late nights and pushing and trying and the emotional draining aspect of it, it's a lot. And I have a lot of respect for the people who run for president. It is not easy. I don't know how they never seem tired on TV. I mean, I didn't either. I never seemed tired on TV, but they must be exhausted behind the scenes, you know? Um, so the people that try to do that, my hat's off to them, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on. Yeah. Um, some of that, you know. Would you ever do it again? I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it again. <laughs> what, what, are you making me? I don't want to, don't, don't make me. Oh, no, no, I'm just saying, you know, just wondering. I believe in you. I'd vote for you. Thank you. Well, I would totally. Thank you. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, who knows one day if I'm much older and I've done the things in comedy that I want to do and in my entertainment career that I want to accomplish. It's maybe if some things get fixed in our system, if I can help change those things from the outside and money's less of an influence and it seems like a less corrupt system, I'd be more open to it. But I don't want to do it. I didn't want to do it this time. I just felt we needed another choice and I want to try to help the country a little bit. That's such a big undertaking, you know? You're like, oh, okay, we just need, we need another choice. A comedian should do this. Well, I guess I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild it was wild if and it, it's crazy how much just fame controls everything in our country in our society people that have power it's all fame I mean, kim kardashian is the reason we have prison reform now she mm -hmm. pushed that through with trump you know and and the, the 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 first step act and if i was john stewart my campaign would have been polling instantly mm -hmm. 
So it's just crazy how much your numbers matter. Your social media numbers matter. Your reach matters. Um, the reach and social media influence is the only thing that can kind of compete a little bit with the with the influence of money. And really, they come hand in hand because if you have huge numbers, you're going to have a lot more money anyway. But it's just hard out there for regular people. And, you know, I never served in the armed services. And the most brave people in our in our country are by an order of magnitude, our troops that risk their lives for us, mm-hmm. you know, but far short of that, this was my time to try to help the country and try to, you know, volunteer my services. But I, I need to get back to my life. I need to get back to my career. I had a year when I didn't make hardly any money. You know, I donated my own money to my campaign to yeah. kickstart it. And so that's the other thing that's so frustrating. People like, on social media, even some of my live shows, these like hecklers, this coordinated effort to come out and shout, give back the money. You're stealing the money. You did this to lie in your own pockets. I'm like, wow, really? I gave my money. I didn't make money for a year. Hardly did very few stand up gigs. And I now I'm not in my best financial spot. So shut the fuck up, you know, <laughs> and it's all public. FEC.org. You can see literally what we spent every dollar on and every dollar was spent. At the end we were able to, we had like 200 and, $50 left or something. We donated it to the Democratic Unity Fund to Defy Venture, which is the group that brought me into state prison for a day. And then we donated it to um, this uh, effort in Puerto Rico. I spent a week in, in Puerto Rico during the campaign also to try mm-hmm. to bring attention to the suffering people are still going through there. On the second anniversary of Hurricane Maria, I was there. Oh, my God. Helped volunteer to rebuild this little town, um, parts of the town that were still didn't have like running water fully active two Still? years later yeah oh my god tell me about that experience it was wild and so we donated to try to help them you know finish build a little community center for this town like they're a lot better now but um it was amazing puerto rico is incredible and the, the biggest thing that they need is tourism like it's our own cuba this amazing beautiful latin culture that's part of our country this island that is just awesome the music and the vibes and the colors and the people it was just amazing they have very weak infrastructure. This little town, El Real, that we were at, um, Israel, this group that I was there with, um, was there helping. They, they built entirely this uh, water tower that does not need power because in case power gets knocked out in a future hurricane, they would still have water in their village. So it's all used through like inertia of coming downhill and mm-hmm. pump like manual pumps and things and manual filtration systems. So we, we learned all about that. And then we helped repaint the thing because by code it has to be painted like aqua blue. So we were painting it and talking to the locals and having lunch with them. And it was wild. But then while I was there, a little storm, just like a rainstorm hit and some thunder and lightning for like two hours it rained. And I was in a Best Buy in Puerto Rico because my phone fell in, in water and uh, the power went out and all of the Best Buy four times in like 20 minutes and I go out in the street into an Uber and there was flooding in the streets already and there was lights flashing and the infrastructure was very weak there. Mm-hmm. And so we need to, you know, as part of our country, we have to invest in them as much as anywhere else and not throw paper towels at them like the orange motherfucker does. <laughs> oh my God. So it was an education. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't quite know exactly how it's going to influence my comedy because my problem is like, I want to get back in my comedy life and I'm happy to unpack this thing you know, on a podcast here and there. And this is probably the most thorough time I've been able to like reflect back on the campaign since it ended, but it's hard because this shit's not funny. And so I want to get back in funny life. And it's hard when the things I'm talking about still are so serious. Yeah. So, Do you think you are kind of like gravitating toward like, trying to make light of things that you've experienced in this or do you just kind of go want to go in a complete opposite direction and just write like jokes for joke's sake and yeah i'm torn like i'm really excited to do just jokes for joke's sake like the first month of shows i did after the campaign ended i was doing zero politics yeah straight jokes some people are disappointed they come my show they're like why weren't there any trump jokes why weren't there any politics jokes i'm like because i'm tired yeah i need to just be funny again all right but it's creeping back in a little bit you know i just because the the job is not done yeah you know Maybe come November we can relax more, but um, 
So I'm trying to find that balance. And my mm-hmm. podcast, Last Week on Earth, which you guys can subscribe to if you'd like to. Oh, yeah, you guys absolutely should do that. I'll put a link in there. Oh, thank you. In the description. Thank you. Every week I summarize the world, everything that happened during the last week on Earth. News, politics, pop culture, trends. And I, I, I kind of cover it all so you don't have to follow the news as closely and I'll make you laugh about it. I promise I'm, I'm funnier when I actually cover stories. But, you know, reflecting on a crazy journey, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit uh, harder always to make it funny <laughs> but um so you know things like that i'm just trying to find that balance so i'll cover serious things but also i'll talk about j-lo and i'll talk about penis man being arrested in arizona do you hear about this no what happened who's this penis man, man penis man this man that was terrorizing tempe arizona because he was spraying spray painting penis man on every wall in the in the place like 70 different buildings he was spraying <laughs> penis man he considered himself a superhero called penis man wait so he was he was spray painting the word or the word okay it wasn't the like an image man. it was not an image okay thank god because that would be hilarious that would be so good and awful really a penis <laughs> man would be like almost almost looks like a guy with his hands akimbo on the sides would be looking like a penis you know i was just imagining like a superman and with balls. an erection oh, that, that works too that works you have to do kind of a side profile yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, like otherwise he's flying in the air draw. like with the one arm up you maybe know? the one arm is the penis he's just flying <laughs> crotch first and that's the way he directs himself is with his fist out <laughs> full fist of glory perfect yeah so he was finally caught and um <laughs> and he said that look penis man represents all of us we are all penis man that's legitimately what he thought yeah i mean i think he makes a good point we all could be in some way penis man I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, everyone, maybe like your penis is your ego. You're exactly right. Right. So I have a dick. You have a dick. Yeah. Everyone has a dick. Yeah. We all need a little bit more of that big dick energy. Yeah. No, exactly. You know exactly. Yeah. But 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 the thing is, I realized too, is like penis man. I know you didn't hear about him, but he got a lot of coverage <laughs> and like a lot more than my campaign for president of the United States. Like maybe I should have sprayed penis man everywhere. That's penis the trick. man. Gleep 2020. You know what I mean? That's the trick. There you go. Yeah. You got to do something like that. <laughs> we are all penis man. Gleep 2020. You need a high profile media stunt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah we, 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 you know, we learned, we learned lessons. So wait, you were saying earlier that you don't know who you want to back this yeah. campaign. So like, what were your thoughts on like Warren and Sanders and everyone right now? I like a lot of these people, you know, I think Andrew Yang might be doing my podcast in the coming weeks. <gasps> That's awesome. So I really cool. like him. I like him a lot. Yeah. And Chappelle just endorsed him. Mm-hmm. And I had a really fun night hanging with Chappelle recently where he kind of convinced me a bit that Andrew Yang maybe deserves more of a look than I had thought. Yeah, yeah. Because I met Yang on the campaign trail, and he's nice, but I didn't, I don't really agree with universal basic income, and I still am not convinced, but I do realize that Chappelle convinced me that, like, it really could help people's lives so much drastically just to get $12,000 a year. Yes. That could really be very nice. So that's cool. Um, I like him, but, I mean, he's... He, so far, he's 1% in Iowa. So he's not I know. becoming very viable. That's the thing that kind of sucks about some of these candidates like that. Like, I think that he's really interesting, and, and I wish people knew more about him. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just not, it's not translating. And, like, even Chappelle, a little, little too little too late because yeah. votes are already happening. Tom Steyer got 0.3% mm-hmm. in Iowa, so he's not viable anymore. Bloomberg is okay as far as, like, having the war chest to be able to compete, but he's also just trying to buy our election. Mm-hmm. Not even trying to really campaign, right. not trying to get on the debate stages. Now he will be on one because they just changed the rules for him. They didn't change it for me. They didn't change it for the, for the little guy. They kept us out, didn't even acknowledge our existence. And then all of a sudden, Bloomberg comes in and like, okay, maybe we don't need a donor threshold. We'll just change it. So like Bloomberg get really? it. Really? Yeah, literally changing the rules for him. <gasps> um, so I don't love that, but I think he has a chance to beat Trump, which is good. Yeah. Um, people really respect ultra wealth in this country, and he's certainly a billionaire. He had a great response when somebody said, do you really think that America wants a campaign of two billionaires yelling at each other? And Bloomberg goes, who's the other one? (laughs) (laughs) What a gangster. That's pretty gangster. (laughs) Um, And and then I really like Warren and Sanders. Mm -hmm. I am torn between them, even though Sanders will... Was a dick to me on the campaign trail. Really? I like Wait, them what? Both. Okay, we're gonna come back to that later. <laughs> but uh... um, I like them both a lot, and I I'm torn because I think Bernie's too extreme, and I think it's stupid that he calls himself a democratic socialist. It just alienates people. Labels and titles yeah. mean a lot to people. And Trump already in the State of the Union last night was like. Socialism ruins the world. Socialism's the worst. And <laughs> I hope you all know that. It's the worst thing. 
Y- y'all know that. Socialism kills countries. And so <laughs> Sanders didn't need that label. It's stupid that he chose it, and he's always been using that. So that's a negative, and the fact that he like prides himself on not compromising with people doesn't have a great track record in his billion years in yeah. the Senate of accomplishing much. Right. So it's great that you have big ideas. How come you haven't achieved anything significant? But he gets people really excited and passionate, and he's got like two or three million donors, which is a huge number of support, and he's you know, won the popular vote so far in Iowa and is first or second in the polls in Iowa and New Hampshire, so very viable. And then Warren, I think, has a lot of the policy things that I like about Bernie, but also is more pragmatic, a better politician, will better be better able to work with the other side. She used to be a Republican. She, in some ways, a little bit more moderate, but still very bold. And I think that she is pretty funny so is bernie they're both pretty funny i think that's important this cycle to be able to combat trump's shit talking Mm -hmm. and trump's humor honestly um and she already is like kind of backing off on her medicare for all which is good and bad right so she's already showing that she's like wavering from her beliefs but you need to compromise in politics and i thought that was one of the biggest negatives of her was that she was also staunchly saying we must have medicare for all overhaul our entire healthcare system and I think it's going to turn off a ton of voters who like their health care and have employer-based health care, have health care that they like. And so the fact that she is willing to kind of compromise, I think, makes her more viable in a general election. So I'm kind of leaning Warren, but I really like Bernie and viability matters. I also like Pete Buttigieg. He's more moderate, but mm-hmm. he seems to have won Iowa thus far. And, you know, I just don't know. I just needs to be who's going to be Trump. Yeah. And it matters who their running mate is too, but I'm not going to wait that long to endorse somebody. I'm going to figure out who I think is most viable and make a very dramatic announcement that nobody will care about. A really dramatic announcement? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to do like a survivor type envelope kicked off the island, kind of dramatic music, Ryan Seacrest, dramatic lights. Oh, my God. Bachelor Rose ceremony. You better believe it. Okay, good, good. Um, wait, so Bernie was a dick. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of notoriously in Washington circles. He's notoriously a very unfriendly, grouchy old man, kind of a dick. Yeah. which is the opposite of how he's supposed to come off. I know he comes off kind of grouchy, Larry David style, but you also think he's the man of the people. And like, I walked up to him in, at an event in Iowa we were both speaking at, and I just introduced myself, and he just like shook my hand begrudgingly and like blew by me, didn't even pause his gait, didn't even pause his, his walking. I was like, it's an honor to be speaking alongside you. And he's like, oh, oh, that's great. And, Thank you. As he kept walking, and he's like, who was that? Oh, what's going on? He didn't even pause for a moment to be like, oh, hi, so nice to meet you. I'm sorry I'm late. Take a second. It's not necessary. Yeah. You know? So anyway, you can see that clip on, on my YouTube. Oh, really? YouTube.com slash Um And uh, yeah, I called the video a powerful meeting between Ben Glebe and Bernie Oh, Sanders. very powerful meeting. It's a nine second video. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be checking. You should put it on TikTok. I need to get on TikTok. Yeah, huh? you do. Fuck. Your nine second videos, man. Can- What's that? Your nine second videos long- can really crush it there. Really? On what, what's the time limit on TikTok? I mean, honestly, I think it's about a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always editing my stuff down for that. But, but shorter is the move. I but mean, isn't yeah. all kids on there? Like, is it just to get fans for the future? I think so. I can't decide if I like it or not. But I if I'm I making content anyway, I figure I might as well just upload right. it there as well. Just shorter versions. You're just making. T- Pretty much. And flipping out a little part of it. More frenetic editing options. You know, you can like. In put the some, app? Yeah. Put some neon, put some rainbows, get some slow-mo in there. You That's know. That's what every candidate needs. It's I exactly mean, what you need. Yeah. yeah. No. It, actually, with the slow-mo, it might go from like a nine-second video to like a 10-second video. Oh, shit. You know oh, what I'm saying? Shit. I don't know if America's attention span can <laughs> handle it. Can our attention span handle it? I don't know, but you know, it would be really cool if he walks away in slow mo. (laughs) (laughs) True that. And you can add a song too. You can add like a who has all this Michelle Branch. Goodbye to to you. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get better at managing my time. There's just so much. It's like people don't realize being a comedian these days. You're you're a one man corporation and TV studio. Yeah, we have to create, edit, shoot, produce release market promote everything every day without stop and if you take two days off the algorithm's like fuck you no one's gonna ever see you again i know that's really frustrating to me too because that was another part of my campaign <laughs> is was, was that we need i would regulate social media and somebody has to do it that they have to return to real-time feeds 
Oh my God. Yeah. I would vote for anyone that wants that. Yeah. You can't decide for us who we get to hear from. Oh, I know. That's weird. That's weird censorship. It's insane. As I said in my speech. Social media censorship. Societies that control the open access to ideas and information cannot be free. It's not true freedom if they're telling us who we get to hear from. There's no way we can communicate freely. It's literally some Orwellian shit. Yeah. No, I really don't like that either. Um, and I also real don't... time. They used to be real time. <laughs> I know those days were so and good. I getting, miss those days. This post was three days ago. But we're deciding you should see it. No, give me real motherfucking time. I know. I get I to cuss so again now. I don't a lot like more. that. I, I know. That. Isn't that exciting? So exciting. Like yes, welcome back. Um, man, I also you know what also I really do hate how um, Instagram logarithms now penalize people that don't post daily how or rude. don't use all functionality, Fuck including you. going live, including IGTV and stories. Is that true? You have yes. to do all that if you're not using all of those functions. It messes with who sees your post. Damn. And that's why someone like me can have 28,000 followers and then I'll have a post today that has like 200 likes or something because they decide who gets to see it. And then also, that's again, insane. like you said, fuck you if you decide that you want to just kind of like post three times a week, which is kind of more, more my speed these days. Yeah. Like I'm living like a little bit more of a private life than I, I was like before. That. And so if I want to control who sees, uh, you know, what who sees what? Because I don't want to be posting content 24-7. I notice yeah. when I do that, a lot of the, com- the content is jar- garbage. Like, right. I just don't, like, it loses quality. But That's what then society you get, is doing. Like, we're encouraging yes, garbage. Yes, we're encouraging, like, the incessant, like, the production. addiction, the addiction of social media. Which, We've become a quantity over quality society. And also, have you ever thought about this when you're scrolling through your feed? You're in a semi-hypnotic state. You're not really thinking. You're just kind of like yeah. looking at the content you're consuming. And yeah. so it's like what you're seeing and what they're dictating you see is like getting into your subconscious, which yeah. is getting, you know, I'm getting kind of crazy with it no, right I now. I agree with you. Yeah. It totally does that. And it also is like spinning. I'll get even crazier on you. It's like spinning even our, our vision of reality, not just because Instagram is obviously like curated life. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's how many times have you done this? You see a post that you actually don't like. You don't agree with what they posted or just don't think it's entertaining. You wouldn't click like on it, but you click like anyway because you want the algorithm to keep showing you that person's account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm all the time being like, oh, that post sucked. Like, <laughs> because I want to still see their posts. Yeah. And you know that if you don't like them, they're going to take them out of your rotation. Yeah. So like doesn't even mean like anymore. Look mm-hmm. at so that's some real 1984 shit. That like is crazy, doesn't yeah. mean like. Like means give me more of something I don't like. Like, we're in bonkers town right now. This is bonkers town. And and on top of that, and just look at that, like just this week, right? The president of the United States gave his State of the Union in between days of his impe- of his impeachment trial to remove him from office after impeachment. Coronavirus is spreading. We've got chaos in the Iowa elections. And what people are upset about is the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> I mean, we don't have a sense of logic anymore. Yeah. And in George Orwell's 1984, it's an old bit of mine. That I don't do it because it's not that funny, but I don't do often. But, you know, he predicted that there would be telescreens in everybody's apartment that watch us. Right. And we all report on each other whenever people do things are out of line. And the Ministry of Information controls what information we get. That was like the major things that made that society horrible, this dystopian future. And all of it has come true. I know. But the only thing that they did it in so much more genius and nefarious of a way on society, instead of making it this dark place that they just dictated all that, they made the shit cool and got us to opt into it. I know, I know. I think about that often. We're all holding telescreens voluntarily. We're telling people where we are. We're turning on Mm geotagging. Facial recognition, hell yeah. Now my girlfriend gets to be labeled at my birthday party. I don't have to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect. In every way, we have opted into that. Google and these social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, are controlling information like we just discussed, deciding what information pops up it's not real-time feed it's not uncontrolled feed and we're giving it to them we're giving it to them and then the commodification of um our information becomes a big business yeah which we're also not in control of because we willingly gave our shit to other people yeah do you want to uh not sell your data you can't go to this website click accept i hate that we can track you regardless oh my god i know you can't use internet you can't use public internet at a hotel if you don't give us your information and you don't you know connect it to your facebook 
You can't. How many do times Hubble Starbucks Wi-Fi. need my email address? I know exactly. I hate that. I want the days when <laughs> cookies was warm and fuzzy. Yeah, when they were good. Yes. Right. Not a way to track my every move. It's scary. Cookie monster, you know what I'm saying? Cookie monster. <laughs> Cookie monster. <life>. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I know. I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Come, come, come on and let me out. <laughs> I don't know exactly how that applies. I just really wanted to quote Christina Aguilera. I love Christina. We can quote big her all fan, day. Big fan of X Tina. <laughs> big fan. Even though oh. I worked with her one time and she was a little bit unprofessional, but she's cool. <laughs> oh, man. I want to hear that story, too. Well, just um, basically, I wrote the Radio Music Awards in 2001, believe it or not. And... It was in Vegas, and she was one of the hosts of this three-hour live televised music award show. She and Gavin Rossdale hosted it, and she didn't show up to the one rehearsal for all the jokes that we wrote for her. And so she'd never read these jokes until live on the air to the country. And because of that, she's in a prompter trying to have comedic timing on jokes and just botched almost every joke. I'm like, girl, you're not really a comedian, so maybe just go to the rehearsal. She's great when she has SNL. like She has great skills. Her Kim Cattrall impression is fucking genius have you seen it no i haven't gotta go on youtube her kim control from sex in the city samantha impression is brilliant she's very funny but maybe you should go to rehearsal you know what i mean you ain't yeah. like you ain't mike myers up there <laughs> just go at least once yeah go once read the jokes yeah that's all that's all i'm saying <laughs> also that same show was, she, was shakira's first performance ever <gasps> what? on american television <gasps> she was backstage so nervous during rehearsal i smiled at her she smiled back i was a young kid i was like 20 21 or I was like 22 or 23 my first big gig in Hollywood and Shakira's there and Christina and Jay-Z and Destiny's Child before they were even a couple and you know Beyonce and Jay-Z and all these people Mariah Carey was her first performance on national television after her meltdown oh no here's another scoop she refused to perform on the show unless they gave her an award so they rigged the audience choice award for her really oh yeah that's that's a good move. You know what? I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to be like, I'm not going to do this show unless you guys give me an award. Well, that's how you got me on this podcast. Yeah. I we mean, to, yeah, I'm giving you an award for the best uh, the best campaign of 2019. That's really sweet of you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I will make, I'll put it in a frame. You will? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I will. I will actually. Hand drawn or are you going to computer print it and do it you, like real pro? I'm going to make it look professional. Oh, shit. Come on. Shit. Yeah. Thank I'm going to put some of those Photoshop skills to use and I'll even go to the dollar store and get a trophy. Love that. Yeah. It I might love it that. might be for the wrong sport. It might be like a Fine baseball trophy, but you know, we'll figure it out. If It'll it's running fine. for president, everything's part of America. You're it's right. Like, <laughs> you know. We got soccer balls. We got soccer, we got basketballs. Yeah. We got it's little fine. boys playing T ball. <laughs> it's all part of the fabric of this nation. It'll be good. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I'm never getting a trophy, am I? Uh, no, I will. I'll will? do it. Yeah. Oh shit. I will. Okay. You'll get, yes, you'll get a trophy. I like funny random trophies. I have my ping pong trophy at home. Perfect. I've misplaced my video surfing trophy, but it's somewhere. Okay. All I need is a trophy and a labeler. <laughs> and we're good to go. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Um, Ben, I want to ask you one last thing. I ask my guests when I remember. Sometimes I forget. Uh, <laughs> but what's something you would go back in time and like tell yourself? Like at the beginning, maybe of your career, at the beginning of like maybe like college Ben doing like the talk show. Like what would you go back and tell yourself knowing what you know now? Really, like, I wish it weren't all so business pragmatic because I'm pretty happy the way I live my life. I would just tell myself, collect email addresses, be much more diligent about building your following. Don't let momentum go away. My podcast came out of the gate as number nine podcast in all of the country in iTunes comedy. Mm -hmm. And I was building towards being a really top podcaster. But because it's a topical news podcast, I took several like seven month breaks mm -hmm. and I just really dwindled my audience. And I regret that because podcasts now are like so much of what's getting people's careers that next level mm -hmm. i'm trying now to start building it up again and i've recommitted myself to it but i would be like don't ever stop doing last week on earth do it every single week for all these eight years and i would have been at a different level mm -hmm. that's about it just be more diligent put more put material online i was given the advice by comedians that are really diligent with their social media followings put videos of your stand-up up constantly and they have now hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers and i'm trying to get there so I'm about to be doing all that now, but I'm 41 and I wish I did that shit at like 28, you know, mm -hmm. that's about it. Just that's be more really diligent. good advice. Yeah, that's a good advice. If you're trying to come out there and compete against me, do that shit and you'll probably win because you're younger <laughs> and you'll be better at TikTok. <laughs> TikTok and you don't stop, stop to the heart. TikTok and you don't stop to quote color me bad if I may. Perfect. I love it. 
Thank you so much, Ben. My pleasure. Oh, can I say one more thing? Yeah, of course. I uh, just dropped so my Showtime Hour special. I just dropped it on YouTube so anybody can watch it for free. It's ah. called Ben Gleeb Neurotic Gangster or the Search Gleeb Special. You can watch it in five parts right there for free on my YouTube. I also put up a bunch of crowd work sets and a bunch of other stuff. So you can check that out at youtube.com slash Follow me on social at Ben Glebe. And you can watch my game show Idiot Test on Netflix. Cool. I'm going to drop a link to that too. Yeah, to I want your, people to watch um, that special big time. Yeah, to your YouTube channel so they can check that out. Thank you for having me. This was a very fun conversation. Very interesting. It's good to see you again. It's been too long. It's good to see Rigby again. Ripkin? Ripkin. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Yeah, she misses you too. <laughs> Ripkin. You can get my name wrong too. I'm sorry. It's been years since I've seen you. Years. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Hot Pizza Ass. If you guys want more information on Ben, check the description of the episode. I put a bunch of links to his content where you can follow him and listen to his podcast, etc. Thank you so much if you support the podcast on Patreon. And if you haven't joined us there yet already, you might want to. Patreon.com slash Aaron Darling. Check us out there. I'd like to thank Bill Billman and Skittles. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Christina Harper, who's new to the community. Thank you so much for your support, Christina. You guys are great. Uh, follow us on Instagram at a hot pizza ass, and you can follow me personally at Darling with four H's. Thank you guys again for everything. I'm Aaron Darling Taralva, and I will see you next time on Hot Pizza Ass.